0: It is fifty years since the great city of Malahim fell. The gods stopped answering prayers and the stone empire crumbled and shattered. Amongst the ruins, scavengers scrounge and terrifying monsters stalk. The wilderness holds even greater horrors than these. Humanity survives behind the high walls of magically warded bastion cities. but They must remain vigilant. For constantly, beyond those walls, nightmarish forces plot their downfall and watch for any mistake. This is the Broken Age, an age of ruin, an age of despair, an age desperate for heroes. Only a handful of rogues exist who are willing to risk the greatest danger for the greatest reward. These exceptional people are willing to brave the wild, to rescue the lost and face the forces that threaten all of civilization. Their deeds will be long remembered. Their songs may be sung as long as humanity lasts. They are the swords without master. Yeah. Or do you want the action figure jingle adver- advert that I made
1: up? <gasps> I'm excited! <laughs> um, so so what, what's the... <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's the action figure jingle version, Pete? Uh, okay, well, um, I think this is this is a kind of a so- one of those songs that you make up when you're in the shower, I guess, um, oh, yeah. on your way to work. Um, so, uh, do you remember the TV show Gladiators? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it starts with like no. a big fanfare <laughs> like that. Uh, and then like a drum roll but not a like a, a normal drum roll like one of those old electronic drum rolls like a boop-boo, boop-boo. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, it goes like this Swords without master, warriors ropes are made for Swords without master, grand dice, let it roll and let the tail of gold Swords without master, heave the call and hail the thunder Swords without master, take the lead as your heart beats faster Swords without master, seize the hilt the
1: arrow,
2: we'll to
1: drawn Welcome to Crudely Drawn Swords <laughs> Without Master. An actual play swords podcast. Swords Without Master! <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> an actual play podcast of 80s cartoon themes, <laughs> jovial and glum narration, and swords sometimes literally, without master, also sometimes literally. With me tonight are four players of the game, and the game we're playing tonight is Swords Without Master by <laughs> really? Epidiah
3: ravikal I, I had not got it that.
1: It went off in I, my head.
2: Yeah. Swords Without <laughs> Master.
1: So let's go round and do the traditional Who Are You and Who Do You Play?
4: Swords Without Master. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ali, <laughs> and I'll be playing Grizzard Skink Wrangler.
1: <laughs> Could you tell us something about Gizzard Skink Wrangler?
4: Grizzard Skink Wrangler is a wizard, a lizard wizard, controller of all the lizards, but not the wizards. It's <laughs> with that, <our> mister! <laughs> I love it that this is like
1: now in the theme yeah. tune. This is like when it does the spotlight on each character.
4: I was hoping to turn to camera and then just do a pose.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much it.
4: Alright. Oh, oh, and I've just realized Quinn's gonna to have to do the moral at the end to the Scarf snarf music. <laughs>
3: do, and there do, is do, literally do, do, a moral do, at the end of this game. Uh there is a moral at the end of the game. Guessing, of of all of the characters, I am playing a familiar face.
2: <laughs>
3: who could um, it be who
2: could
5: it be
3: so Ben says that um, that I can't literally play a sword with a master um, which I've taken as a challenge so I'm playing an intelligent sword um, in the second edition D&D style of uh, intelligent weapons um, and I'm playing the sword Kalanoia so <laughs> it is a cameo Ooh. Twist So I reckon that, that Twist Yeah, I reckon that back in the day I had this whole sort of story about who Kalanoya was, um and it essentially boiled down to he was a sort of mercenary for hire, made a lot of coin defending a a city state, um and he was really good at fighting. And he enjoyed the prestige that uh, that came with that, um, and he enjoyed people singing songs about him, and so uh, he decided that he wanted to be the very, very best at fighting, and all of the coin that he made from his mercenary deeds uh, he put up as a grand competition to challenge any challenges that could come, and the, the coin that he put up was, uh, was significant, for, and any peasant would... It would have been a king's ransom to them. Uh, And so he spent a lot of time fighting off challenges. And so his reputation grew and grew and grew until there were no more challenges. Uh, and uh, he needed to move outside of his city state and so and so he did, and so he he continued to go to other regions and to other places uh, in the world uh, and challenge their biggest baddest uh, fighters there uh, in order to enhance his reputation further but still that that wasn 't enough um, and at that point, then he started almost getting a kind of a folklore following um because he was starting to become a bit more withdrawn, and it was actually quite a convenient tale that if you were uh, if you were somebody that abused your power um, or that um, that wielded it in um, in unkind ways, maybe you would get a visit from Kalenoya, who actually uh, jealously guarded that um, and would take it as a uh, the issuing of a challenge. Um, and so it became almost a um, a, a bit of a, a trope and a, a bit of a, a legend. Um, and so he continued doing that, and uh, and he passed less from sort of somebody that was physically into maintaining that, um, and more into um, yeah, like folklore and, uh, and tale that's passed into oral tradition. Um, and then ultimately, I reckon that. He wanted to move beyond that again and decided that actually um, mortals weren't really where it's at. Um, and they were people beyond mortals. They were gods and they were elementals um, and they were they were fae and creatures that uh, truly whose power were uh, was unsurpassed. Uh, and so he moved on to um, meet, uh, what's her name?
1: Olenbriar.
3: Briar, yeah. Um, and so... Uh, Kalanoya found the location of Ullumbria who he went to challenge uh, and fight and take her power and Kalanoya and Ullumbria fought for many a day uh, but Kal- uh, but Ullumbria, her power was something that was um, just a, a, an awful lot greater than anything that Kalanoya had seen before. Uh, and so they reached a deadlock. And that's when they made a deal uh, where Ullumbria said that if they joined forces, then they could go and take down every other powerful entity. And then finally, once that was done, then they would finish their conflict um, as long as he would join her at his side. That's as long as he would join her at her side. Um, but Kalanoia, um not really figuring on... Ullumbria, um taking that quite literally uh, and not quite appreciating the uh, the full magnitude of what she was able to do, he was transformed into the form of a weapon uh, so that he would continue to live on and live at her side. Um, and that is how Kalanoya the Sword came to be. So I reckon that Kalanoia, the um, intelligent weapon that I'm going to play throughout this, is going to be a Bit of a jerk <laughs> who likes fighting. Yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> quite a paranoia. long way
3: to get to that. <laughs> Calanoida stab.
5: I'm playing Sir Leonard Glank, and uh, my little cutscene in the beginning uh, episode, or uh, the beginning sort of introduction in the episode, you see like uh, a strong bold knight and he's chopping wood and he's sweating and his, his son comes out and offers him a glass of water and he ruffles his hair. Then there's sort of another cut scene to him rubbing down his horse and kind of <laughs> laughing at his wife. And then he, he gets on his horse and you see the, the couple in the doorway sort of saying goodbye and all teary-eyed. And it's all really quick and it's all, you know, that kind of blurry. And then you see him on the trail hunting and he finds this big, and it sort of then cuts to this big dragon on top of a tower. And the dragon doesn't have a wizard's hat, but it's a wizard. And so you see this him charging into fight, and then there's like a puff of smoke, 80 style, and then out of the smoke stumbles this kind of goblin creature with a big nose <laughs> and the armor's like all encased and falling around him, and the dragon laughs and flies away. And then through a couple of the earlier episodes, you see a bit a few flashbacks, because we're sort of in like episode three or four now, we're in an established series, you know. And you see him like Tie, he, he, come, he tries to find his horse, his mighty stallion that was known as uh, Shore Hoof. and instead there's this massive, fat kind of crocodilian lizard with a a rhino horn. And he, st- he bundles his armor up and he straps it together. And he through the next few episodes, he makes himself some makeshift armor out of like pots and pans, and he bangs <laughs> bits of metal and parts of the fence together. He snaps a twig and he makes himself a a spear. So he basically kind of looks and acts a little bit like that fox that rides the dog in Labyrinth. <laughs> but he's still a mighty warrior that will sometimes sound like a goblin, sometimes sound like a human. It's all part of the curse. It's not it's not to do with what I think is funnier at the time. It just You know, and so that that's and then obviously you'll have a couple of scenes where it freeze frames on all three um heroes without master sharing a drink.
4: Ching. Excuse me. Yes, unfortunately. That's two also... of us riding lizards.
5: Yeah, Ben A, Ben okayed it before I knew you were riding a lizard. And B, you can technically control my lizard monster. <laughs> Damn
4: right. Yeah,
1: this this isn't bad news for I've you. I've also got
4: a little army of lizards.
1: Yeah, more lizards. So, as it reaches my part of the sequence, you see the priest of death, the final minister. The camera pans in from behind on a sinister-looking black-clad figure, dark padded armour with a huge shield in one hand and a huge hammer in the other. And then as it pans round, he's got this kind of really rosy-cheeked, kind face. (coughs) He has a big beard with (laughs) knotted into seven plaits. He just looks like this cheerful little guy, and his name is Warm Crispin.
5: And I'm so, picturing uh, Santa with his sword and a uh, shield and hammer. Now he's he's a
1: little younger than Santa. He's kind of We're like okay. brown brown hair and beard. So Santa the early years. Yeah, Santa the early years before before he went into the whole delivery business. Yeah, um, before he got a van. And so yes, yeah, so and that that's warm, crispin. He's bearing a hammer named the Price and a shield named the Toll. Right. Nice. So that's the four characters, but this is not a GM-less game. So we have one more person to introduce, and that is Pete. Hello. Hi, Pete. Hey, Pete. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks
0: for coming. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> yes, uh, it's really a, a treat to be here. Thank you.
4: <laughs> no yeah. one's ever sounded more like they're duress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have locked
5: him in a
0: bathroom,
4: technically. <laughs> he <laughs> does look a lot that way. That's
0: a curtain, not a shower curtain. <laughs> oh, it does look like a shower curtain. It's the frosted
1: glass on your webcam that's doing mm. it. Yeah. So, this story happens, as the introduction indicated, a little while after the fall of Malahim, in a broken age when monsters roam the world and humanity has been pushed back into a few places, and only the bravest or those in the most dire need travel out between the bastion cities. And so that's the world we're in. That's the place we're in. Pete, let's begin. Yeah, beginning. Hello. So um,
0: uh, my first uh, role as as over player is to roll the overtone. Glum. Start with a glum tone. Feeling blue. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the way... um, the way the game works is it works on uh, on uh, different tones and uh, sort of different narrations uh, of action. But we begin, uh, we join our heroes on the western battlements of the Maya Fort, uh, a hidden redoubt within the Grave Hill Bayou, an oasis in a dark swamp. Uh, night has fallen. The Maya Fort is one of these bastion cities, but it's uh, hidden in this sort of delta uh, area of uh, the world. Gathered around a brazier on the battlements, the flickering firelight uh, sort of falls on each of you. Uh, So uh, yeah, what are each of you doing?
1: I think Warm Crispin, he stood by the brazier. He's actually, his shield is leaning up against the battlement But he's got this hammer and he's kind of got both arms resting on it. So it's almost at chest height. And he's just staring into the fire. You can see the glow lighting his face and little, the spark catching in his eyes. Not literally, his eyes aren't on fire, just more that cinematic effect. But I know you people. And he's staring. I'm on fire! (laughs) He's staring deep into the heart of the flame and then he glances over at leonard leonard
5: is standing by his rhino slash crocodile slash lizard kind of pan it down yeah you're a good boy slash lizard i'll get you through this lad And he sort of (laughs) reaches down into his bucket and pulls out kind of like a handful of worms because the worst thing about this curse is he's slowly becoming more kind of goblin and feral so he he feeds a handful of worms to his alligator and he's kind of kind of a, a horsey type, crocodilian kind of disgusted it, but it, it eats it down and he takes a handful and, bruh, 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 and slothers them down himself and kind of then oh ca- catches the eye of um, the Death Guard uh, dude. And he's kind of like, oh, acts of shame and sort of hides away. And he, he glances up and sees uh, Grizzard kind of looking at him as well. And he's like,
4: don't look at me! <laughs> I will not judge you for your your worm eating. Worm. <laughs> uh, Grizzled Skink Wrangler is with her steed, whose name could not be pronounced by human tongues, because they haven't got like the little fork. So can't they can't really say it. Anyway, Albertus is what I call it. Anyway, it's uh, lying out trying to absorb the heat from the Brazier or the Bra- Which is the one that isn't a bra?
2: <laughs> brazier. <laughs> That's the
5: brazier. i say go with the one that is the <laughs> fire bra. It's even better.
4: Okay. I'm in my cups.
2: <laughs>
4: see what I did there? Um, anyway, so I'm lying out trying to get some heat. Now, you see, I was brought up with lizards, so that is my natural way to react to a warm place. I'm kind of lying out, but also I'm just kind of beginning to bury myself under the sand a little because obviously it's coming towards <laughs> nighttime. Mm-hmm. I glance over... At a sword stabbed into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> and as the as the three heroes stand around in the warm glow of the fire, uh, just off behind them is a couple of the uh, of the guardsmen, uh, and the the captain of the guard uh, is speaking to a, a younger fellow, um, and he's saying to him, "Now, listen, son. A lot of good men died to get us this thing here. They say." Don't touch it. It's kind of a, a last case emergency sort of situation. Uh, so all you need to do is stand here, guard the sword, make sure nothing happens to it. We'll all be good. If we call your name, then you know that things have gone bad. <laughs> uh, and the the younger guy glances down at the sword, which is just kind of wanging back and forth as the uh, the <laughs> commander sort of slaps the top of it.
0: <laughs> cool <laughs> That's cool uh, So um, Each of you uh, Although apart from uh, Kavanoia, uh, have been asked to be here At a certain time by an uh, anonymous note You've made introductions To one another, started to draw the conclusion That you've been gathered together For a mission The captain of the guard uh, you, He uh, sort of sees someone Approach uh, It's a hooded and cloaked woman and he nods at this woman and uh, sort of acts very deferential towards her. She looks young and pretty, with long, dark uh, hair curls slightly from underneath her hood. She speaks in a hushed tone, uh, and she says, uh, I must speak quickly, she says. I've gathered you here because our sister city, the Foothold, is going to be attacked by the hordes of Mora immediately. Don't ask how I know, that doesn't matter right now. What does matter is they're not expecting it, and we have to warn them. I need you to journey to the west, through Grave Hill Forest and the bayou, to the foothold to warn them. Make for the hermitage of Akashobia on the far side of the swamp, and head west through the forest and make for the foothold. The Sultan of the Jeweled Kingdoms will reward you at the foothold if you can achieve this. There's no one else who has the skills or the bravery to accomplish it. Please, you must help.
1: Warm okay. Crispin immediately, as she approached, she started to stand a little more attentively and watched her arrive. When she says this, he says, this is why we're here then. Of course, I'm quite ready to make the journey. Warm
0: Crispin, as a, as a follower of Mother Death, I think you'll, your skills will be needed going through the, the haunted forest of Gravehill.
1: Thank you. There are many who have forgotten the first law, but we will remind them if we must.
4: Can we wait till it's warmer? Grizzard,
1: I fear there won't be much warmer time. I hope you have enough heat gathered up now.
4: Well, I suppose I do. We'll have to see how Albertus manages, And that horn stink lizard thing. I assume that's okay, <laughs> is it, Leonard? Sir
5: Glank sort of walks out behind the beast. And he's kind of, he's he's righting himself and he's wiped the worm slime off his chops and he's got his arm (laughs) on it. It Actually, you know what? It doesn't look bad. You can kind of see like the end of a pan, but it's been bent almost ornately. And he comes out and he's like, don't worry, (coughs) my lady. Don't worry about Shawhoof here. I, I assure you he's a fine, worthy, noble beast. My lady, as the first of the glank line. I make it my vow that I will get to this place and pr- deliver this message. And he gives a kind of ugly, attempted flourish bow, and but it doesn't really work because he's a goblin. <laughs>
3: and Kalinoya whispers out to uh, whispers out to Glank, "Hey, hey, you there? You want a weapon worthy of you? Go on, take me." touch me pick me up i could make you brilliant i could make people tell tales of you sing songs they'll say your name they'll speak of glank the weird goblin <laughs> thing that uh, that could make a sword dance like no man seen before
2: take me
5: glank kind of you see glank's eyes kind of glaze over and he just kind of almost zombified kind of walks towards the sword and just kind of reaches his hands up as high as he can and he just can't reach the pommel
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 ah. i i i'm
5: not the one <clears throat> i'm not the one you're looking <clears throat> i'm not the one you're looking for friends and he just hops a bit more and he reluctantly his arms drop and he walks back to his kind of wooden sword
4: you want me to pass <laughs> you that
5: no the the curse is finished my lady but i thank you for your offer of kind kindred Help! <laughs> yeah. He's also losing like his high English. He's he's
0: forgetting how to speak. Uh, yeah, the lady turns to you, Grizzard, and and says, "Will will you go?"
4: I stand up, dusting the sand off me, and despite the darkness, despite the cold. I and my steed will take this message to that guy. Foothold, foothold. I mount. The The lizard, in a very dramatic way, my uh, cloak flowing out behind me. It has one of those little things by the head, like a sort of cowl. It's very lizardy, y like, like a lizard that sort of flaps out its little...
1: Frills. What do you call those things? Yeah, think... like a frill. frill.
4: Yeah, like okay. a frill, like a lizard frill on my cloak, obviously. So it's sort of flowing out behind me slightly. And um, I sort of give the lizard a bit of a kick and it turns towards uh, the direction we will be heading.
0: West, right.
4: West. We don't know our West from our East in this, uh, in this game.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, she says, thank you all. Uh, and then you hear a kind of like a cl- clattering and a smashing of something like pottery from behind, from behind her. And she looks back towards the gatehouse. And from the gatehouse comes a figure in, cloaked and, and uh, he's wearing like a long robe with two swords that stick out of the end of each arm. As, his, uh, as he looks up, you see uh, he's, um, he's a, a youngish man, but there's something wrong with his eyes. In the firelight, his eyes look like they're sort of, they shift, uh, something shifting in them, like a tiny shoal of fish swimming where his eyeballs should be. Uh, and he says, you cannot run forever, Princess padman Dharava." <laughs> he snarls. Tell me where the sage Akashobia may be found and coil spite may spare your city.
4: Coil spite.
0: At that point we enter the perilous phase <gasps> which means death is on the table. Dum
5: dum dum. I think firelight needs to be one of our motifs. I've incorrectly changed it.
4: And I've but... been the window to the soul Who <laughs> is was fishing them. job. Oh
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah, so so motif 1 so what? What in the firelight? Well, it's been kind of like you've had the what's
5: his chops has been staring into the firelight, and yeah. it's kind of been glit. It's basically eyes I've been in firelight. Up, I, eyes I've been by firelight. The firelight. Yeah, which kind of I think that's, that's going to be fire. a. It's like a um. That, that's like a good a prophetic motif. vision.
1: Yeah, yeah.
5: Watching the world burn type thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's that's cool. So we have eyes by firelight.
0: So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I hand the bones, the dice, uh, to, if there was a way to randomise this, I would totally do it.
1: Uh, um, why not roll the d4 and okay. why not fuck off?
4: D4, <laughs> damager, power to the people.
0: Okay, Uh I hand the bones to Grizzard Skink Wrangler.
4: Ah, I like getting my hands on the bones. <laughs>
0: This evil figure, this agent of Coil Spite, uh, starts to cool rush spice. towards towards you, and uh, rather um, he he doesn't move in a straight line. He kind of like zigzags a bit, and like his feet like pad up the up the side of the the battlements onto the crenellations. He starts like sprinting across. He starts swinging his swords like like kind of making figure of eights in the air with the points. Uh, as he dives into you, like, kicking over the brazier, like, fire blasts everywhere, it starts, like, you know, scorching and singeing. Oh, here we go.
4: So it's over, and Grizzard has rolled the bones. Rolled the bones. I am angered. Coil Spite is my old nemesis. Or my hobby enemy, as some might know him. I will have, <laughs> I will have my revenge. And uh, as he approaches... I unleash from my massive wizard sleeves a huge lizard army of tiny little <laughs> skittering lizards to coil over him and bite him, bite him, bite him, bite him. Yeah. they the quite bitey little creatures.
1: So these are going to have an unintended consequence because of the uh, because your roll was low, and okay. we will learn so something unintended has to happen as, a res- as part of this from which we will derive a moral.
4: I think I sent out too many lizards, too many tiny <laughs> lizards skittering around, skittering, skittering, skittering. They start to generate heat from that they've been storing up all day because I'm not really sure how biology works. And it starts to <laughs> heat him up and heat him up until he starts to just sizzle and burn and smoke comes off him and we learn a valuable lesson about don't use too many lizards. which is a moral we all can live by too many lizards spoil the sloth i don't think it's a sloth but it rhymed
1: (laughs) too many lizards spoil the roth yes okay i'll I'll make a note of that that is a stupid moral
4: (laughs) yep Earlier today, I was trying to make Dylan Thomas things about clams, so you know, it's not the stupidest thing I've done today.
0: <laughs> so you've uh, you you unleashed the, the tiny lizard army, and they're swarming at this uh, figure, um, and he sort of um, and kind of scorching it. Oh, because they're they're heated up. Yeah, it sort of starts to burn off uh, his his robe, and he smells um,
4: of. Toasting snake skin.: He
0: rolls, and as he rolls, like some of them sort of get thrown off and they fall over the side of the battlements. Uh, and that's when he sort of, he uh, unleashes some throwing daggers and they like th- you know dart over over your direction. Who are you handing the bones to?
4: Oh, hang on. Um... you can pass
1: them on to whoever you like.: Oh okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Just so I know who to focus on next. Who to bring the storm to.
4: I'm going to pass him on to Kalanoia Stab. Because <laughs> it's time for some action. <laughs> so,
3: reminds me what happens. Yeah.
0: Threatening a just... inanimate
3: sword. <laughs> uh... So Pete has to roll something, does he? Or do I roll something?
0: No, I'm bringing the storm to
3: you, Gwyn. Pete brings okay. the storm
1: to you, and then yeah. you roll when you want to take over. Uh, so the okay. And is
3: I roll by... Typing role. Hashtag bones. Hashtag bones. So the, and if you type uh, it yeah, first, this...
4: then you can press enter when it just gets a bit too scary. <laughs> that's
0: You've okay. got <laughs> a <laughs> plan in advance. Like, yeah, Fuck! That's, that's, good. <laughs> that's good. That's uh, good. He uh, unleashes a bolt of dark energy uh, towards the princess, who ducks to one side, but the energy smashes into uh, Kalanoia. That's like uh, dislodging him from the uh between the stones he topples like dangling on the edge of the uh of the battlements he could fall into uh into the swamp on the far side
1: oh we've got a six three glum
3: (laughs) glum glum okay yeah so as kalanoia receives the bolt of dark energy um knocking it momentarily off balance uh defenders um stand round, uh and the, the the captain of the guard looks at the uh the young soldier um and a, a bead of sweat starts to roll down their their brow uh for they they've seen this sort of dark magic before but not quite so up close it's mostly been off in the distance uh, and the fates that befell the people in the distance um was not an entirely positive one um so they <laughs> they they kind of know what's coming And as the um, as the energy sort of flashes um, past the princess, it aims directly, um, in fact, uh, at the captain of the guard. Um, But at the but something something is going on there, um, and the energy is redirected uh, and absorbed by the sword. But in doing so, it begins to almost sort of glow a strange sort of. Blue color um, as uh, the as the energy gets absorbed through the hilt uh, and then passes down the blade and it starts to, to topple off balance um, and as it does that instinctively the young soldier grabs at the hilt um, and picks it up and with that Kalanoia comes alive uh, the uh, the young soldier. Um, suddenly, feels a rush of heroic energy uh, as the sword Kalanoia presses its will against uh, against the own uh, against the soldier's own, um, and he raises the sword uh, up into the sky, screaming, "Yeah, it's our <laughs> um, yeah! And uh, the but as he does that, there's a
2: there's <laughs> a, little <laughs> <bit of> latent, <laughs> a little bit of latent
3: a little bit of latent dark energy um that the Kalanoia is still a- a- attempting to to deal with um, and a-, a moment a momentary sort of bright light uh, that strikes up into the sky is quickly so- uh, swallowed up uh, and consumed uh, by the darkness um and the the soldier that was suddenly feeling ever so heroic looks up the sword and sees the light retreating back into the blade and back down to the hilt um and then uh, into his arm and then down into his legs that uh, and the energy begins uh, to be grounded through his legs making them weak and the, sadly the soldier who is stood on the battlements uh, himself begins to crumple, beginning to fall over the side and mm-hmm. Do I pass the bones to somebody else? Does somebody intervene? Or do I just keep going? What what sort of stops this narrative?
1: If, you, if, if this is somewhere where you want to continue, you can continue or you can pass the bones on to someone else and let them pick up from there bear in mind they might let you fall off the battlements (laughs)
3: yeah 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 yeah, entirely um when we
0: feel that that you you feel that there's no more peril there's nothing more you need to do in this scene then then you pass the bones back to me and then we'll move on to the next right okay
3: okay but in the meantime i nominate somebody else right yeah okay um so to bring us back to it then um so the the um The young soldier looks up at the sword um, and sees the darkness cascading down through, this time the blade, and then back down through the hilt and then back down through his arms um, until his uh, legs begin to just give way underneath him. And he slowly begins to topple over the side of the battlements. um, And uh, with his last glance, he looks up towards Glank. And I will (laughs) pass the bones to Glank.
0: Okay. Uh okay. The uh the the guards rush in to try and deal with this uh this assassin. Um and with like a deft swing and a swipe of his uh his swords, they're both dispatched. One of them gets kicked off the battlements and Wilhelm screams <sighs> his way down to, into the swamp. Uh Wilhelm He then He then looks up to see uh Sir Leonard uh and that's when like the energy starts to glow in his in his uh, fishy eyeballs, and he sort of starts the to push guy. his wheel onto yeah. the and It's like, join me, don't fight okay. me, lay down your weapons. Roll. So he's just said that out loud. Yeah, and you can see like there's sort of like those wavy like hypnotism lines coming off his off his eyeballs <laughs> with sort of acid trippy kind of.
5: Okay, so I've got glum. So. Okay, I feel like it's sort of happening as the sword beams. So there's a little bit of flexibility in the time because Glant kind of, he's at, because he's had that dealing with the sword, he's kind of more aware to like these psychic tricks. So he kind of, he shakes it off, he's like, never. And with surprising elegance, he mounts this kind of big lummox of a creature, but almost instantly, as soon as he takes the rein, there's like this spark in his eye, in the creature's eye. And it kind of sniffs the air and just wheels around. You can see, like, the fire, again, motive number one, reflected in both their eyes. <laughs> and so it's, it's a small foot, but it doesn't take much to control this beast because he's still got the memory of his training as a war horse. So the gentlest touch to his flanks and it just, boom, and starts thundering forwards as it powers forwards and it just smashes the uh, the guy. But it kind of is designed to sort of catch him and and sort of just catch him and spin him off guard so the bad guy's like whoa and you sort of see like like magical tendrils and like where he's been drawing in this magic to make a spell it kind of it almost kind of like getting a tennis ball and spinning it a wet tennis ball and spinning it and you see the magic kind of dissipate almost and as he's and he just keeps going he thunders past slams old shore hoof into like this side skid and it's only when he leaps he he just leaps he leaps off, grabbing the arm of the hero, and it looks like they're both going to tumble, but then, wham, you see the rope he's attached to Shorehoof kind of, wham, suddenly slack, just <laughs> takes up all slack. And he's grabbed, and he's held him right on the crest of the, the cliff, and the the young man's sort of looking down, and Kalanoi is dangling. And, and is he going to drop it? Is What's going to happen? And I'll pass that on, too. And that's when he's like... Uh, Bone master! I can't remember what you a bone <laughs> death, death master
1: Warm well, bone think, Let's Master. to an
5: ad break I think he doesn't even uh, <laughs> like Crispin doesn't even need a saying like as as the thundering's starting Crispin's seen this situation so I'll pass it to Crispin now I don't even need to call, call for the help This dude knows what he's doing and then I'm going to pee quickly I want to hear this though
0: so Crispin, warm Crispin, you've seen the uh, this huge lizard slam into this assassin, knocking him uh, seemingly off the edge. But there's a sort of you know a rustling sound, and he scampers back over the, over the battlements uh, and leaps bat-like uh, towards you, uh, swords turned to stab into you.
1: And as he does that, I roll the dice for a jovial tone. Ooh, switched up. <laughs> <laughs> and so Warm Crispin is making for Leonard. He's making for his companion. And as he sees this assassin come flying down, he runs and his arm falls behind him. And this hammer comes in this huge overhand strike that catches it in the air and carries it down and forward onto the ground. And the force of the hammer's impact onto the ground just creates so much force that he somersaults on over it and then lands slightly wobbly on Shawhoof's back. But luckily Shawhoof is very wide for a lizard-type creature. He's got almost like a hippopotamus back. And mm-hmm. he quickly... Dashes towards this battlement edge with the long taut rope towards it, and he can feel that energy that energy is a corrupted force of deathly magic that was launched towards the sword, and even now it pushes against him, and it's trying to hold him back and he but he just it he comes in and he, it's too dark, too quiet, his spirit is indomitable in this. Situation and he just laughs it off. <laughs> he reaches down over the battlement and he seizes the wrist of Glank and he nods down to his friend and he says, Leonard, call who forward and we'll all be out to safety. Onward, hoof Yeah, so Shorhoof like stomps along and we're pulled up over the battlement first glank and then a moment later the guard who kind of collapses on the other side he can't stand and but in his hand is the blade Kalanoia and in his light eyes is the light of the warrior's battle and i think i'll give the bones back to pete
0: okay okay so you feel that yeah you've, you've you know you've done everything you need to in this uh this situation
1: yeah this i think this initial initial phase right right this storm has been conquered
0: yeah you've crushed this assassin beneath your huge hammer
1: oh nice yeah fortunately they've been weakened substantially by lizards and a giant stomping lizard beast (laughs) that's what i was gonna say basically lizards they had a lot of lizard problems it's all about the lizards I notice how it, it it
5: proves that we're deliberately making life harder for us, because if this was the Hawks, he'd have been over the edge and gone, the sword <laughs> would have been lost.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> but when we're not playing them, we're like, we are actually quite competent. I've
4: been eaten by my own lizard.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so um, let's roll an overtone. Another glove. <laughs>
1: Classic. <laughs> okay. So what phase are we going to move into?
0: We're going to move into the rogues phase where you uh you you uh, gather some supplies and and equipment and things that you need quickly um as Breakfast. it's obvious that your journey is very urgent and uh yes. you set off into uh into the uh the bayou so there's a very swampy quagmire that you're heading through. That's a picture to give you the idea. And uh, it's you know it's Wait. dark and and uh, like really sort of humid in the air. It's very but it's very close, very close.
1: Yeah. Uh, and is it like those kind of the trees with that Spanish moss hanging down and kind of
4: mangrove.
1: Almost like, almost mangrovey, kind of Absolutely. low mist. Is it still night? I guess it's glum. It might as well still be, like, night.
4: Yeah, it's night. The distance, the wolf howls.
0: And you, you, uh, you can see <laughs> that, yeah, yeah there's that. other sort of, uh, there's other attacks being made, sabotage on the, on the city. Uh, so if I pass the bones to Sir Leonard... I say, show us how you manage to sneak out of the city without being noticed.
5: So the city is surrounded and being attacked.
1: I think it's more like there sabotage. So there's like, yeah.
5: Oh, so like pockets of fighting that we want to try and avoid. In fact, uh, do we have to sneak out? You you can describe how we yeah. leave unnoticed. Oh, do yeah. it, does it have to be unnoticed? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, as you leave the city, you can see like in the fires that burn. Like you can see hang- hanging above the city is like as a f- is a flying castle.
5: Jovial. Jovial. <laughs> okay, that's not quite how I imagined it. So, um, dis- despite the fight, we're in good spirits, <laughs> and so we all sort of, we load up our stuff and we we strap a few things that we desperately need. Um, you know. Uh, um, Leonard Glanks asks the the kid if he's all right, and uh, he kind of he's got a shaky head, but he's still holding to the sword. And he kind of guides it into his scabbard and sort of helps him on the back of his mount. And uh, there's enough room for the big guy as well because I'm on a big crocodile. It's and very then... good
4: porn, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
5: um, and so they we kind of we all mount up, and so you've got two lizards, two big lizards, and we kind of slink into the shadows and. Lizard, the wizard lizards, lizard, I assume is going to be kind of like geckoing, goes up on the sides of the buildings and skitters around the walls, whereas my, my thing just kind of,
2: <laughs> stomp through.
5: but it really helps because while she disappears into like the shadows and like you can just hear as a little tongue licking occasionally, this thing just goes, and just smashes through the warehouse and just walks through and we just smash our way through the buildings until the entrance, uh, the exit to the camp. And we're just like joking along and kind of whispering and like cracking wise as we kind of just <laughs> smash our way through the buildings. Like that was adorable as we go through smashing a door down. Hey, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and finally, we come to the sort of the last, the last wall protecting the city, and the lizard. you kind of we see over the over the outside of the wall coming back in. So she's already made it out. She kind of gives us this little signal out of lizard saying it is safe to come now if you're <laughs> quick we will be okay and there's all these lizards making t's and r's and,
2: little <laughs> and
5: all along the top of the wall in fact and so just kicks shore hoof into a, a thunderous roar and smashes through the last rocks and throws them aside with his huge horn and then we're galloping into the night just as the moon kind of is covered by a massive cloud and we, we get a few miles out and that's when it poof, opens up and the whole, like, swampy savannah is that I've combined two uh, different biomes there <laughs> that don't work together. But you know what I mean. The swampy savannah and the trees are lit and you can see bats circling Sounds above like the trees and the, and the crickets lions. are coming alive. And the swamp lions. You can hear them roaring
1: <laughs> 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 That's how swamp lions laugh. So so actually we get out unnoticed, partly because there's no way for anyone to tell that's not an attack. Mm. the attacker's like oh they must be on our side look at them trashing the joint we
5: just smash it and then (laughs) sometimes the castle can't see us because we're just indoors the whole time we're sort of (laughs) knocking down the struts and like the first floor's falling and like a family lands next to us halfway through a meal (laughs) and they're like what's going on and we're like it's okay and we give them the thumbs up because we're jovial
4: (laughs) fair play the castle fought hard
5: ah very good
1: yeah so Uh, Stu, you get to ask a pointed question of one of the other players and pass them the bones.
5: Nice. Okay. So you say,
1: show me how you or show me how
5: we. Okay. I'll ask Ben because we don't often role play with Ben. My natural instinct was (laughs) Ali because Gwyn is a sword. (laughs) (laughs) Can't believe you're so swordist. We will ask Ben, show me how... We got out of the sinking swamp.
0: (laughs) Good question.
1: Yeah, so that is a good question, and I should roll for tone at the start, which I keep forgetting to do. And so the tone is... Oh, we are so (laughs) happy about
0: this! (laughs) these swamps oh, oh, oh. well like i think that the swamp is this point is like teeming with wildlife like it's just noise like screech oh. owls and things that sliver in the water and things that kill things yeah. at night um and bats and and, and
1: sometimes you see like little Aww. wafts of like little wafts of fire where bubbles of gas have yeah. burst yeah and they're drifting fireflies and Maybe even willow, the wisps drift between these trees. Nice. This is yeah, a, yeah, a very living, very vibrant forest.
4: Evil Edna.
1: And, <laughs>
4: there is no this evil TV Edna. This TV emerges, <laughs>
1: um, and oh, and that big so, thing, Moog, and all this noise. But it's still dark, and you don't really see. It's not obvious that the ground is softening until we've gone too far in along the path. We must have strayed from the road. We couldn't stick... The road itself was... You could, we could see dark shadows lying on it, and we knew our way lay towards the hermitage of Akishobia, And so we had to cut through into the swamp and into this dark land. And as we're walking through these drifting lights, it starts to get softer, and that's okay because it's a swamp. You expect a bit of soft ground. But yeah. then it gets really soft and we start just wallowing and sinking. Oh, and poor old sound. Shaw Hooves' hooves <sighs> are, not, are no longer able to grasp the ground. And now these great weights that served us so well as we charged through, it's kind of splashing and flailing. And as he splashes, you see bright, bright sprays of phosphorescence in the water glowing around us. He's trying to draw us forward still, but he's starting to sink down and everywhere around us, the screeching and buzzing of insects and grizzled, is it Albus? Albertus? Albertus. 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 Albertus is also starting to struggle and slide around because this is not just... Sinking it's slippery, and it, we have to find our way through these narrow channels until one we can find a low enough bank that we can escape and by that point we're far off our course we're not we've lost our true bearing, and the night is almost over. the second moon has nearly set, but we're still are still in this wallowing swamp until finally Grizzard manages to slither Albus up a slope and and then using the rope that Leonard was carrying is able to draw it round a couple of sturdy trees and Hoof, we haul ourselves up and Shorehoof is able to drag Drag slowly out of the swamp. And then as he comes up, the sun is rising. The light starts to strike us and the morning is bright before us. And in the distance, the sky castle is left far behind. But now we must cross this. Now we must cross this swamp in the heat of the warm day. And what I'd like to know is. Grizzard.
4: Yes. How did
1: your long ancient rivalry with Coil Spite begin?
2: Yeah! Ah! Yeah.
1: Saws <laughs> <laughs> with our master!
4: So. So's with our master! It's <laughs> So, you asked me for a tale of the, of the name of Coil Spite and his origins.
1: Get them bones going. Ooh, glum.
4: God damn it.
1: Glum. This makes sense that there would be an unintended consequence and a moral in this story. Absolutely. This requires
4: a much better storyteller than I. You're a great (laughs) storyteller. But, my friends, you are stuck with just I to tell this story. It is a sad and glum story, one that began many years ago. I was a young grizzled lizard I've been living among the lizards for many years. They taught me their ways of basking and of shedding my skin. I made Gross. a lovely shed out of it. And <laughs> many people grew pot plants in there, but worked more like a glass house because it was slightly see-through and warmed everything inside. Ah, <laughs> uh, skin shed. <laughs> I got sidetracked. LAUGHTER
5: that's it. The, the rivalry came because the other guy just didn't like the skin shed. He's like, that is rank. We don't do that. That's disgusting.
3: Like a what stand- are you playing all at? suburban dispute about <laughs> or like, garden and wall height. and the
4: boundary issues with the snake people.
3: Uh, I
0: don't have planning permission for that. He, he always let his dog onto the
5: garden to do his daily business. And
4: my God, the state of his hedge. How dare you speak badly of my skin shed? I'm really invested in this story. That's not a shed, that's
3: a summer house. You said you haven't a shed. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's really tickled me. (laughs) Start again. Anyway, but it's glum, yeah, glum. glum.
4: I liked my skin shed, though.
5: the shed obviously gets destroyed then.
4: (laughs) 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 So back in those days, I was happy. I was basking. I was learning the ways of a young wizard. And I did have a skin shed, that's true. But it was a sad skin shed because I couldn't grow them as well as my bescaled friends. I had but mammalian skin and could generate my own heat for the insides. It made me sad, and I went wondering for many years, hoping to find more of my kind, more of those who could live through the night without having to bury themselves in sand. I'd become ashamed of my upbringing, and yet it was a part of me. <laughs> As I was on this wandering journey, forty days and forty nights, alone with nothing but the sky to speak to and tiny rats that were just not interested. I met, coil spite, coil spite, At first, I thought he would be my friend. I thought perhaps that this giant snake could be a brethren to someone who could, who'd lived amongst the lizards, but was not truly one of them. But he had no legs, and legless did he tramp across the mighty deserts that I turn out I'm in. <laughs> We spoke of many years, told each other tales, spilled out our hearts. But then, when we reached the other side of the desert, after our adventures and after I had saved him from many, a difficult and dangerous place, he turned on me like the snake he was. I was barely able to get away. I shed my skin at him fast, but he shed his back. Too many sheds. <laughs> Didn't know what to do with it. And so... I conjured my first lizard army. There were only but three of them, but they distracted him long enough and I was surely able to get away. There is no more to this tale, for Coil's spite has not been seen since. I know him for the snake he is. And you know that you can never trust people. Never trust things and uh, work against their true nature. They pretend that they are friends when really they are legless, slimy little slithery snakes.
1: Nice. So that's our moral, isn't it? Never trust things that act against their nature.
4: Yeah, I'll do.
3: Never trust things without legs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we already have too many lizards spoil the wrath. I I think we can be less lizard specific. I don't know. Another <laughs> Mr. Lizard. I, I guess that uh, grizzard, like, skin sheds were much smaller and the difference was a matter of scale.
4: Hey, oh, eh, eh. it never rains, but it pours. <laughs>
1: so, who are you God. passing the bones to, Grizzard?
4: Okay, uh, during this tale, we have gone through a surprising amount of the desert. It wasn't a desert, I just made that up. Sorry, we've gone through a su- <laughs> surprising amount. Of the... It's kind of like a
1: humid, swampy. Yeah.
4: It's almost it, exactly it, the opposite. It was of desert, like isn't it, really? it's
5: a lush, barren swamp.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's a lush, barren a swamp
5: savanna. Yeah, it's a lush, barren, ac- acrid, swampy desert with frog Tundra.
4: hippos. <laughs> and I would like to ask Kalanoia to tell us how we traversed the rest of the swamp savanna.
1: Swamp Vanna.
3: The rest of the Swamp Vanna. Uh, hmm, let me Don't think. Don't forget to
1: roll for tone.
3: Oh, yeah. Glum. Glum.
1: <laughs> yeah, we are glum.
3: Okay, how did we traverse the rest of the Swamp savanna? Okay, so, as it, did anybody come with us? I know Kalanoi got put in a scabbard, but was it guy? one of our scabbards? Yeah,
1: I, I, think, I think we had that guard with the weak legs
4: one for each day of the week all seven yeah <laughs> yeah
3: classic weak legs <laughs> to send one of uh, tristan's ancestors
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: okay yeah so uh the, the the traveling companions had passed through the um, the sunken swamp um, and the uh, the characteristics of the the landscape um they continued along that sort of swampy savanna um theme um except having um having passed through the sunken swamp then those two characteristics um began to polarize um until the uh, the the swamp uh, gave way to sandy desert uh, and hanging in a sort of strange cloud like mist um some 10 to 15 feet in the air um you start to um see a kind of like a a heavy cloud uh so heavy that the droplets within there just seem to to hang static um never falling um and never particularly blowing from one side to another and in fact they've they've been there long enough that um certain mosses uh and um and vines have been able to establish themselves and hook onto them and even the weight of these basic bits of of plant life don't seem to pull the clouds down from this layer uh, that they occupy uh, just above them. Um, and as the the, the terrain, uh, as we pass further and further into this terrain, then the clouds become more established and so the vegetation becomes more established until you get to this uh, really quite uh, well... Well-developed habitat that is just hanging uh, in the air, almost like a sort of floating uh, swamp above the uh, the now sort of quite dark and gloomy sands uh, that are otherwise barren uh, and run beneath. Uh, and as the this layer becomes thicker and thicker, then the uh, the light fails uh, more and uh, and more. Uh, and well it's it's, it's strange uh, as the uh, as the guard carrying kalanoya sort of draws the sword and holds uh, holds it aloft uh, and the sword projects a um a lantern of uh, light uh, around the the travelers then the land is really quite flat and uh, each of the the people involved can see really quite a, a long distance uh, and there's really nothing uh, on this layer that we're walking on but above however um above the uh, the plant life and the vegetation just gets denser and denser until um until the familiar sounds of life begin to uh, be audible to those walking beneath it um and initially that's insects uh, and scuttling uh, and then becomes uh, louder, sort of screeches uh, and sort of clawings uh, above the, uh, the party. Um, and as they progress, then they uh, encounter um, a kind of strange plant-like vine that tries to reach down uh, and grab at anything that is walking beneath it. And at that point, the uh, the guard. Um, holds aloft kalanoia uh, and reaches up and much like before when a band of light came striking out from kalanoia to split the clouds in two um but quickly retreated back uh, this time this time the guard is able to summon the light uh, and the the light strikes up uh, and illuminates the vegetation that is hanging uh, above the uh, the player party uh, and as the light sort of strikes into it, then it, me- it makes the whole habitat uh, glow with a sort of eerie orange glow. And at that point, you can see movement and eyes and things scuttling around. And you can see uh, really clearly these vines that are, are grabbing down at the travellers uh, beneath. Uh, but the, uh, the light grows and it goes from a dim glow uh, and it keeps powering energy up through until uh, a hole is torn through this canopy and the natural light of the sun uh, begins to light its way uh, through. Uh, And so from there, Grizzard is able to cast um, a primeval rite, mark out uh, the ground uh, beneath her uh, and exploit this uh, natural light that's coming through. Uh, And as the light bathes in the little rune that she sets out, uh, she takes Kalanoia and sets Kalanoia down into the circle uh, of bones that she's laid out. And almost like a compass, Kalanoia slowly shifts and rotates uh, and points in a true direction. And so from that, uh, the sword is equipped onto the guard uh, once more And fighting a running retreat, as the well, a running advance rather, uh, as more creatures reach down and the vegetation attempts to, like, grab at the the travellers and pull them up into the canopy. Uh, The rogues uh, dash until it begins to lighten up the screams become less uh, severe and the scratches uh, start to die away and then it's just insects again and eventually the canopy dies out and so by following the compass bearing uh, of the right involving Kalanoia the party are able to progress out of the swamp
4: wow that was amazing Sky Moss
3: Sky Moss
0: this floating swamp thing is a really cool image
3: yeah
1: yeah, so that's on our motifs. We have our first three motifs are eyes by firelight, bright light consumed by darkness, and a floating swamp. Cool. So if you notice a motif you want to pick up, they should relate to one of the things on the first one.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. I just put the so, bone, uh, the bone <coughs> compass thing because it was cool. Um.
1: Yeah, no, that's very cool. Do you think this brings us to the end of the phase? Mm Yeah. I think this would be a good time potentially to return the dice to Pete.
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. So, uh. The
1: place beyond was the uh, Hermitage of Akashobia, wasn't it? Place beyond is the
0: Hermitage of Akashobia. Roll for tone. So the overtone is the opposite, so it's a jovial tone. Okay. So we're going to move into a discovery phase. Uh so uh our heroes uh escape the, the swamp uh and make it into the uh the sort of rolling hills forest of Gravehill uh and make camp. Very aware, yeah, that uh that they they must move with haste to reach the foothold as soon as possible and they bed down for the night. So I'll pass the dice the burns. I want to pass, actually, I want to pass them to Gwyn I want to pass them to uh, Kalanoia Okay So in the discovery space, we're sort of uh, learning about the story and the setting Uh, So the rogue player immediately rolls the dice to reveal something their rogue knows Or is now just discovering And then, after that revelation, you can ask me a loaded question And the answer is known uh, to the rogue
3: Okay Um, So I roll the dice (laughs) Glum. All <laughs> my stuff's been glum. Um, okay, so, so
0: yeah, something that you're you're discovering.
3: So I narrate what I'm discovering, and then I ask you a question as part of that. Yeah.
0: So you're, you know, something describing significant detail about the world or the plot that you know or are now discovering, using the glum tone.
3: Okay. So, um. So as the travellers pass from underneath the uh, the floating swamp, um, and the the mosses above them give way to um, just the the kind of hard uh, hanging water, uh, then Kalanoia sort of feels a sort of familiar sensation. Um, uh Kal-Noi doesn't sort of view the world in the same way that uh, his companions uh, might do it's more of a sort of a, a a resonance a detection uh of uh, just the the feel uh, of a a place uh, and the the energies and the sense that that it admits um and something had been troubling him throughout the swamp uh, because the the water's above him had felt uh, Felt dark, but um, also in a, a familiar uh, sort of way. And as the um, as the vegetation disappears and the the water becomes more pure, then that sense only began uh, to to grow. Uh, and as Achishobia uh, lay up ahead, then Kalenoya could sense that the thing that was causing uh, it to point the direction. Out of the swamp uh, was Akashobia itself and a draw towards that energy uh, because having been there before um, and having been subject to um, events that had happened there, uh, then a, a kind of imprint had been left uh, on Kalaniya of this place, something that was attempting to, to lead him back. Um, so... What was the cause of the imprints left on Kalanoia?
0: This interestingness because, on the one hand, it's brilliant because I get to just say, I just get to just say information, just plot information. But on the other hand, I I, I just, the writer in me is like, this is a terrible way to deliver this information. <laughs> you know, show don't tell. But uh...
3: Well, I guess what I was perhaps leading you into is that perhaps there's a, a connection between how this. Sort of hard, fixed water uh, came to be, um, and the events that that Kalanoya had experienced in Akashobia once upon a time. Oh, cool! Yeah, given that Kalanoya is a is connected to ice and elements related to it. Yeah, Ooh. maybe a shard of Kalanoya was struck. Um... Gosh, or uh I th-
0: yeah, I think that there was an incident uh where Kalanoia using that power that it has to uh to f- to freeze vast amounts of water it was used to maybe to maybe trap something underneath it in the ice some. <laughs> That's vast. kind of cool. If there is something at the heart of the floating yeah, swamp, yeah, some sort of swamp kraken or something. <laughs> mystery, <you know. laughs> mystery, Um chaos beast, uh, and those sort of those tendrils that that we we saw before, that were uh, you know kind of latching onto the heels of our of our heroes. Those are sort of the the very like edge of it, the sort of the sort of tiny feelers at the end of end of its massive yeah. form.
1: So somewhere in that elevated swamp, there is a mind.
0: Yeah. Uh, And yeah, that was something that Kalanoia and Akshobia did together, perhaps.
1: Uh, Yeah, Akshobia maybe needed something of Kalanoia's power to be able to wreak this kind of grand magic.
3: Hmm. But Kalanoi is kind of drawn to it because Kalanoi is kind of into vanquishing things um, and coming out on top and not particularly into just freezing them in place and then <laughs> being smuggled away somewhere oh, yeah. else. Unfinished so it, business. It probably feels that there's a, a job that is left to be done.
1: Uh, so I think then, does Gwyn get to pass on the dice or does the overplayer pass them on? I think the... The yeah, Sandman just comes <laughs> and takes them from us.
0: Uh, if, after answering, <laughs> yeah, if the overplayer yeah. chooses to continue the phase, <laughs> the rogue player passes the dice to a new rogue player who immediately rolls.
3: On the basis that Stuart is going to go to bed any second, <laughs> I am going to pass it to him.
5: Okay. So I think, well, what I'm going to do is to further my plot along as we're sitting around the campfire and we're sort of just, you know, we've we've known each other for a while, but um, sort of one of the, one of the, the, maybe the new guy with his sword is like, so uh, tell me uh, what happened to, to you? And so Leonard Glank sits back and he starts to paint the picture of a happy family life and he's explaining how he was a a questing knight of a rich, powerful family. And he went out on these adventures uh, and he heard tale of a, a dragon that had been spotted in the area and was obviously eating the sheep and destroying houses. And then, so he made his way there as he thought this, this could be my one, one big job and that I can retire with my family. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm getting on now. Two I've days got my trust, trusty horse. And so he sets out and he, He's telling how he sets out and he tracks the beast and it's uh, surprisingly hard, but he notices like the wind swept trees of a, a downward whip of some monstrous wings and like cracked limbs and like a trail of burnt villages and dead bodies, and you know, subtle <laughs> clues that not everyone would pick up on. <laughs> and uh, when he finally confronts, when he finally confronted the dragon, he rode into the clearing and saw the dragon asleep and it scrunched its claws when it smelt him he kind of he saw its nostrils flare before his eyes even opened and it leaps up into the air and just kind of hover there and lands on a spire and sort of just observes this human and he starts reading out a list of challenges and like the honorable code of knights and dragon and there's been there's been an ancient history where if a, if a challenge is made between dragon or man it must be accepted from either side
1: that's got to be a motif <laughs> or is that a moral yeah oh yeah there's an unintended consequence of moral so yeah so what was the unintended consequence
5: oh maybe that oh maybe that was the unintended consequence. He, cha- he issued a challenge and kind of as he is like I challenge you dragon to fight me and the kind of the heavens <laughs> And there's this storm out of nowhere, a lightning bloke kind of explodes behind the dragon, and the dragon's like, Do you know what you've done? And kind of he just flies into a rage, he just starts burning the ground and reaping everything to sunder in front of him. Um, and he's kind of as he lands in front of this human, and just, just this snotty sort of exhalation of smoke engulfs the man. Um and then the, in like, and it's all, it's, it's misty and it's smoggy and he can't see. And then he hears this deep guttural laughter as the dragon, cause he's an evil dragon, but he's a wicked, he's a clever dragon. And the dragon's worked out that if he curses this goblin, then the, 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 what's it called? The, the challenge is null and void.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's going
5: to be a reason.
0: He's not a man anymore.
5: Cause he's not a man anymore. Um, Yeah, what was it that the dragon noticed that Leonard Glank was either holding or was attached to his horse that made the dragon not want to fight him? (laughs)
0: Without master, yeah, Yeah, that's that's very good.
1: Exactly.
3: Oh God, go away! Very cool. I feel that Uh, that describes certain characters best than others. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: some of us took this took the title (laughs) more or less literally. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> drawn swords without master. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: <Yay>! yeah, <laughs> nice. I, oh, so why man. is it swords
3: without master and not without masters? Did like a master own an awful lot of swords? Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> I've
4: got that song stuck in my head now.
5: Good question. Yeah, that's catchy. I'll try and write that on guitar. <laughs> can anyone
4: animate better than I can? Because I, I. Or we could cut together something.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is definitely like the start of an eighties cartoon, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, that's like your Thundercats.
3: Yeah, I I sort of wrote. It reminds it. me of
1: Air
0: I
4: Wolf. could edit some video together.
1: <laughs>
0: I thought, have I just rewritten the lyrics?
4: As long as I've got lots of like have video, have I just
0: rewritten the lyrics to the Pokemon
1: song? <laughs> <laughs> and it's possible that you did, but that's no bad thing.
4: I was thinking more like um, like Thundercats yeah. era.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I can see that in the Thunder of Cat's era, like that kind of that type of synth as well.
4: Anyway, yes. like... anyway, can we just record that for the next two hours instead? <laughs> I mean, that was a lot of fun. Start <laughs> with a master.
5: <laughs> yeah, apologies. I did I did say it wasn't fair. Ben was like, "Nah, you could also be a, a lizard grizzard wrangler <laughs> wizard," and I'm like, "That's." I'll step on um, her toes a little too so. much. My
4: lizard's
5: better than your lizard. My lizard's a horse, goddammit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look at my horse. My and horse my is horse a lizard. Unfortunately, I only have one northern accent, so in my, in my lexicon, Sean Bean and Rob Sausage are, in, are basically the same <laughs>
4: person. Oh, my God. Do you guys want any sausages, you <laughs> bastards?
1: <laughs> maybe that's the dream casting.
4: Oh, imagine. Imagine the death scene of Rob Sausage. (laughs) It's
1: uh, it's exactly the same. It's going to be tragic. It's exactly the same as the death of Boromir, but it's like Frankfurt instead of Aaron.
4: I would have followed you.
5: <laughs> oh, I was picturing a cut scene to the end of Ned Stark, but there's just no explanation as to how <laughs> Rob Sausage is on the stage being executed by the king. <laughs> I was like,
4: what did he do? I'll see you chipper later. <laughs>
5: <clears throat> sausage to know you! <laughs> <laughs> like, what?
1: <a> <laughs> back. Yeah, looks mentality. like I remember, got the last
5: son, sausage in.
1: Remember that thing I said back at the start of the series? Sausage to know you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really resonant, it's very moving. What moment. does that mean? Hi, <laughs> I, Gwen.
4: Well, welcome, welcome back.
1: I didn't mean anything did I? Made, Was
4: just like, what does it Nothing. mean though? We're all short bean now. That's not a saying. Sausage to meet you. That's the that's the next t shirt.
1: Just all increasingly sausage things, but no But all of them
4: reason. are not actually characters. They're just bits after the cuts. like... <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically th- what our we t- t- done so are just far. really obscure.
1: <laughs> so inside baseball, and I love it. Me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Gwen. What, what we realised <laughs> was that belches. because because I can only do one northern accent, Sean Bean and Rob Sausage must be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: sausage and, that's and beans. We,
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) my god, that's the spin-off series. (laughs) Sausage and Beam, sausage is in (laughs) gritty cop duo
4: detective novel. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty scary as
1: well because uh, because he's played by Shaw Bean. You genuinely believe he'll probably die every single episode.
4: (laughs) Ram, 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 ram. Do the theme tune. Sausage and beans
5: <laughs> uh, okay, anyway, let's now go Sausages back. without master. <laughs> <laughs> or swords without sausages.
4: <laughs> sausages without beans
1: <laughs> You can see you can see why we get so little yeah. time recording. Yeah, I was, sessions,
5: I was just looking
2: at the phone thinking,
5: oh this isn't good. <laughs> this isn't a strong start.
2: <laughs>
4: We have got some great after the, uh, yeah. after the theme tuned <laughs> yeah. content God, right. for the Patreon subscribers. Being a player is great. Oh, um,
1: compass. <laughs> it's a compass made out and of bones. bones. It'll guide you, you home.
0: home.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so we're going to move into a discovery phase.
4: We'll tell you more after the break. It's <laughs> what happens all the way through Discovery Channel
2: documentaries.
5: Yeah. Is a dragon's wang bigger than Tristan's? No.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: it's not, and that's canon. I've gone back in time to make it known. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm making a weapon that can kill Bambry. Yes! <laughs> I didn't even realise. <laughs> It was Tristan's
0: guitar. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, what was it? What was it?
5: This is the bit that I really like, because it's such a bastard thing to someone <laughs> be like, uh, I
1: don't know. <laughs> it could be, like, something else that someone has named.
3: It uh, could be a, um, a token of a commission to show that you're working on somebody's behalf. Ooh, yeah. Like a seal.
1: Or a pennant.
3: Hmm.
0: He does have a pennant. Yeah, or I was thinking like a, yeah, like a birthmark or something. But uh, yeah, I, I want to do something really clever and and place a really exciting twist on yeah. it. But I can't think of anything.
3: Like a, a tattoo of your daughter's name with her birthday underneath it.
1: What if it's like the birthmark is the design from Warm Crispin's um, Sheet? Oh yeah,
0: Ooh. something really weird like nice. that. Nice, interesting yeah that's cool
5: that's quite cool
4: it's a crudely drawn
5: sword (gasps) oh my god God. (laughs) it's all connected people it's all connected